Ruchma Boim, Shem Hashem. Berachnuchem, Ibeis Hashem. Our Wednesday night cheer. We try diligently to be consistent with be here every week, every Wednesday, same time, same place. Only wish everybody else could be as consistent, it would be great. Powerful week ahead. Pashas for Yakil and for Kudai. Okay, why is my camera acting up? Who turned the light off here? Someone turned off the middle light. I turned it on before. Yakel and Pekudei Chazak Nechum Eshemais Today on the calendar Tonight On the Hebrew calendar tonight is Chof Hei Other, my granddaughter's birthday, Chaya Mushka Schwarzbad, Shavarich Esyom Vishanim. From birth was a, is a Raid of Shalom, someone that chases peace. There were a few names up for grab at the time she was born in the family, and <coughs> it was turning controversial actually to an extent of a little hot under the collar for my poor son in law, and then. Hayamushkala helped us by being born on Chafei Adar, which is, of course, as we know, the Rebetzin's birthday. And being born on Chafei Adar, we had, of course, the honor and the schutz to give her the holy name of Hayamushka, the name of the Rebetzin. So on this day, in the schutz of the Yemaledis, everyone should have everything that they need, all that they need. Health, wealth, nachas, longevity, Amen. 
Today, Chavdalid was a Yimaletis also, Befrayim Zev. He too should have Lange Gesundte Yarn. Like to wish him Nachas from his children, Shiduchim, Tanasa Barchova, Hagefen, Harbi Gesund Tanasa Nachas. Pash Vayakal Pukude, as we said, are the Chazak of Shemais. And of course, this Shabbos also Shabbos Mevarchim Chedesh Nisan. And being Shabbos Mevarchim Chedesh Nisan, thereby it becomes also Pashas HaChedesh. From the Dalit Parshias, this is the last of the four. As you know, we've discussed starting with Shkolim, Zacher, Parah, and Hachidish. <coughs> Parah and Hachidish are directly connected in that Parah is only the Shabbos prior to Hachidish. That it's, that's its criteria. The only thing that goes chronological over there is the fact that it's before HaChedish. HaChedish could be one of two things. It could be Shabbos HaChedish Nisan, or it could be Shabbos Mevarchim Nisan, as it is this year, the Shabbos that we blessed the HaChedish. And of course, this year being the Shabbos Mevarchim, and therefore Pashas HaChedish Would be the Shabbos. The additional kriya that we read, of course, is Achidish Zelachem, Reish Chadashim, Erev Achidish will be Monday, and the text will have to go out tonight or tomorrow. Inviting anyone that would like to join us on Sunday night at the Ohel for Erev Achidish Nisan. It would have to be a little later because the clock is moving. And therefore, to make it Erev Rishchidosh, still it would have to be in the area of 8 o'clock, or later even. Generally, the women get together at Erev Rishchidosh at the Eil, and we daven for all those that only women can daven for, because it's the Schus Nashim Sitkanius that the Eden were redeemed, Schus Nashim Sitkanius they will be redeemed. Let us look a little bit at the Pasha. Before we go into Chafei Shvat, Chafei Adar, Terah tells us, Vayedaber Moshe, Moshe said, Zahadovar HaShetziva Hashem Lemer, this is what the Almighty has commanded saying. And Rashi repeats, Zahadovar HaShetziva Hashem Li, this is what the Almighty told to me, commanded me, Lamer Lachem, to tell to you. What is he trying to say? What is he getting at by saying this Lee, and how does it 
how does it have an effect on what actually happened and transpired? If we look throughout Vayakel and Pekudei, and we look into the work that was done on the Mishkan, Welcome Atlanta, Georgia. You know that uh, Rabbi Lerman lost his mother. Okay. She only has Simchas. She's a very, very special woman, says my wife. Back to the regular schedule. <laughs> Without the fresca. The, um... No, I'm on... Cup of water. Throughout the construction of the Mishkan, we find throughout Pasha's Pekudei that until the actual erection of the Mishkan the standing up of the Mishkan, Moshe did nothing. Nothing was done by Moshe. Betzal ben Uri ben Chur, this one, that one. Moshe did nothing until the actual getting the Mishkan to stand up. Moshe did nothing. In Tachuma it says, That all the Nedavis, all the donations were given by the Jews. But not through Mesha. The question is, it says, It's a commandment to every Jew to give Truma, to give the Tzedakah to the Mishkan. Why did Mesha Rabbeinu not involve himself or as they say in English, why did he not chip in? Why didn't he put in his... <laughs> that was the way of putting it. He put in his two cents, definitely. <coughs> why didn't he put his money for the nation? So this is what Rashi is explaining here. That until the commandment of donations to the Mishkan, Moshe was always saying to the Jews, This is what the Almighty told me to tell you. I am not getting this commandment. The command, I'm only passing over the message. And therefore the commandment to give the Truma was only on the Jews. And therefore, Moshe did not involve himself in the donations or the work. When the Almighty finally told the Jews, told Moshe, after the second set of 40 days, I've forgiven them as you said, as you requested. Only at that point did the commandment of the Mikdash come about? 
So therefore it was because of the sin of the Egel that all these donations had to be brought. And Moshe was definitely not involved in the sin of the golden calf. He was head and shoulders above the situation. Otherwise occupied. And his camp, his, his tent was outside of the camp. That's where the place of the Shekhinah was. And since the Shekhinah rested in his tent until the Mishkan was born, was built, so therefore the Asuli Migdash was already done by Moshe. So that's why Moshe himself did not involve himself with the actual construction. We find also that Moshe as we said, did not commit himself to anything because he was not commanded this. But he was commanded to teach the Jews about each and every single idea, concept, mission, job that had to be done. This is the Aveda that we have. This is the service that we have as people, as Jews, lekainai to our Master, to the Almighty. The teichin apnimi, the actual inner reasoning of the Malachas HaMishkan, of the service the Mishkan is, just like the Mishkan Agashmi, the physical Mishkan, was made from the gold and the silver, from all the Copper. Can they bring a napkin, please? The, all the donations that were brought by the Jews, <coughs> by the Jews to the Almighty. The same way, also, a person has to make the Mishkan and machin the shifta yisbarich. From physical items. A person must see to it, thank you, that he involves himself. Excuse me. With his physical possessions. (coughs) And every mundane item that a man has, that a person has, they have to see to it that they involve it in spirituality. And there are those, unfortunately, that don't do that. Why? Because what do they do most of the time? They sit and learn Tata. If they're sitting and learning Tata, they don't have mundane objects that they work with. For example, Meish Rabbeinu. Meish Rabbeinu's life existed around Tata. And therefore, he did not have an obligation of actually doing anything physical for the Mishkan, because he was one big resting place. The Rashi said, within each and every one of us, we have to become vessels. We have to become a temple that the Almighty rests within us. But a person that sits and learns Teda at all times, Teda Sayum as it says. 
Layomush Mipicho, it doesn't leave from his mouth. He's constantly involved in Teda. He is already a Mishkan. But they too have to know that just like Meshir Abinu, that although he was not commanded with any work in the Mishkan, but he was commanded to teach the Jews how to construct, <coughs> to teach the Jews how to make themselves a Mishkan, so too every Talmud Chacham, every learned person, has that very same obligation to spread Teda, to involve themselves in Teda, and to teach, to be a living example for the world of Teda. A slight detour now, back to Hey Adar. Chaf Hey Adar, as we said, is the birthday of the Rebetzin. Chaf Hey Adar is Pachajat today. A celebration. The celebration being it is the day that Nebuchadnezzar died. Yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar, as we know, was a terrible tyrant that destroyed the temple, that made Jewish life very, very miserable. Similarly, this week, we got news of another such tyrant that also closed his eyes for the final time. Mr. Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. Now, in Europe, we used to, we were taught always we're not allowed to ask for a new king. We're not allowed to ask for a new king because they used to say the czar is what we know, we who it's someone that we know and that we deal with and involved with. We don't want to ask for a new one. How much more so as long as Mr Cuba Fidel Castro is still there. Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro. The, the tyranny and the wickedness of Hugo Chavez still rings throughout Venezuela. And there are many people that are still very, very scared of who is going to take over. We're not allowed to ask for a new king. <coughs> who would take over and what would they do to the country? A country that is very, very rich in resources. The Jews that were living there in 1975 was numbered at 25,000. The 25,000 of 1975 today is probably closer to 4 or 5,000 Jews. Many of them that are there only because they are petrified. They have nothing to leave with and therefore they don't leave. So may the Almighty keep a right hand over our brethren in Caracas, Venezuela, Maracaibo, any other parts of Venezuela that the ruler 
will now ch- change. That will change hands. Hopefully, will not be a following followed up by another dictator, but rather somebody that will rule the country the way it should be, and everybody would be able to live in peace. Well, as much peace and harmony as one could live in Angolas. There's a halacha. When a person prays, when a person davens, it has to be a tefillah that's worth something. We may not pray what's called a tefillah's shove. A tefillah shove would be something to the effect of walking by a burning building and praying, I hope so-and-so is not there when the person is nowhere ever near there or is in a different country at the time. A tefillah shove is a prayer that is totally worthless, that is not possible to come into fruition. So too, says Shulchan Aruch, a woman that is pregnant for the first 40 days, the child is still forming, there's still Yitzidus Avlad, and for the first 40 days, a child, a parent can pray for a boy or a girl. After 40 days, you may no longer pray for being a boy or a girl, you can only pray for a nice, healthy child. So in the 40-day period is Yitzidus Havlad. Chafei Adar, according to one opinion, is the day that the world began to be created. The creation of the world. Because there are four Rosh Hashanahs, as we know. One is Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, Tishrei, and another is a Shredish <coughs> Nisan. And therefore there is an opinion that a Shredish Nisan was when the world was crea- finished being created. That being said, the first day of creation would then be the 25th day of Adar. When did this concept come into thought? The concept therefore came into thought 40 days prior. 40 days before Chafei Adar, for those of you that can't take off your shoes and socks fast enough and can't do the calculation backwards, I will tell you it's Tu B'Shvat. On Tu B'Shvat, which is also known as a Rosh Hashanah, was the time that the the thought of creation was brought into not fruition, but brought about. And therefore it is at that point 
where the blessings of the trees and of the fruits and of the vegetables of all growth is taken every single year. And there too, also, when the world was created on Tu Bishvat, according to the opinion that Chofei Adar started creation, on Tu Bishvat, the Almighty started to think about it, and ultimately on Chofei Adar began to form it. The significance of the number 40, we see also, with Moshe Rabbeinu, 40 days and 40 nights, thrice he spent in heaven with the Almighty for the receiving of the first Luchas, for the praying of forgiveness, and the third time for the receiving of the second set of Luchas. Again, the number 40. We obviously would like to net the significance of a number 40. Every letter in the Hebrew olive base can be written out. Aleph, we write out Aleph Lamed Fei. Bez is Bez Yud Sof. Gimel is Gimel Yud Mem Lamed. Each letter can be written out in a word. You put the letter, you want someone to know what that letter is, you write on the bottom of it what it is. The one solitary letter that doesn't have, when it's written out, any other letter in it is Mem. Mem is written, Mem Mem. Mem Mem would be under a letter Mem to understand what that letter is. You want to read it? It's Mem Mem. One of the biggest attributes, the most important attributes of a human being is Teichei Kibari. What's on your lung should be on your tongue. Not being two-faced. The app, this is actually something that people laud worse than anything else is the two-faced person. <coughs> the two-faced person and of course the meteorologist who has no idea what they're talking about ever. You know, of course, those of you who are not aware of it, here in Brooklyn, New York, we were hyped up to a snowstorm. We were being threatened and told that it's going to start, it's going to this, it's going to that. It's not even raining outside. Oh, sleet, sleet. Started? A little sleet. We got a little sleet now. Okay, but I went to Mary if there was nothing happening outside. It was supposed to start two days ago. Yeah, so regardless, they definitely, <laughs> as the Indian chiefs would say, speak with false tongue, with forked tongue. And the forked tongue means a double prong the double prong representing of course the two different opinions that the person could say within one sentence and contradict themselves 
within one sentence say one thing and mean something else. The letter Mem is Teichei Kebaroi. It's a Mem and a Mem. It can't contradict itself and it can't be read backwards. It can be read forward or backwards. No matter what direction you read it in, it's still a Mem. And this is the number 40. And therefore the significance of 40 tells us how to fortify truthfulness, how to fortify realism. <sighs> He's running around. In the beginning of Parshat Vayakil, we discussed the beautiful mitzvah of keeping Shabbos. There was once a town, in the olden days this frequently happened, imposters would come to town, posing as a righteous fellow, posing as somebody special and holy. And they would take up collections for their cause after Shabbos. During Shabbos they would put on a whole show and act, song and dance. And then after Shabbos, of course, they would see to collect money. In one such town, they had been taken for a ride several weeks. In the last few months, it happened a few times that such imposters came to them and did a decent job, and the people were vulnerable, and they gave them money. On this particular Shabbos, arrived not an imposter at all, None other than the holy, the holy Levi Yitzchak Badichev, and he arrived in the town. And Levi Yitzchak Badichev had a custom; he never traveled on Friday afternoon. And so, as he arrived in this town on Friday morning, went to the mikveh to daven, and he was walking in the streets. And there were a few people that saw him and said, "You know, I remember." They say this is Levi Yitzchak Badichev. It's not him. I've seen him before and this is not him. And they decided that tomorrow they're going to call him up to the Torah. And as he gets up there in front of everybody, they're going to flog him. They're going to teach this imposter a lesson once and for all. Now the Siddim that were with the Badichava Heard this. Nun vav nun. Yeah, let anybody try to figure out what that was. <laughs> it was a response to a text for those that are listening. No, someone said, what about nun? 
The Baditshiva then was told by his Shamas, who overheard the plan, maybe we should move out. This is not a good scene here. And the Baditshiva said, I never moved before, I never traveled before on Arab Shabbos afternoon, I'm not starting today. As much as they implored and begged and pleaded, the Baditshiva would have nothing to do with it. He will not compromise something that he always kept holy. Shabbos came in. The tefillah on Friday night. The Baditshiva, when he davened on Shabbos especially, he davened with tremendous, tremendous fervor. In ecstasy. He would daven loud, he would pace, he would run back and forth practically. It was quite a scene. It was very inspirational for the one that understood that this was the holy Baditshiva. But when you have people that already formed an opinion and decided he was an imposter, they watched this and said, <clears throat> he's doing a fantastic imitation. If I didn't know better, I would say he was a holy Jew. As he was davening, a guy walked by. And he heard this tumult, this commotion. And he saw a Jew and he says, what's going on in there? And he said, there's a Jew named Levi Yitzchak Bardichiv, and this is how he prays. He makes that noise, makes the sounds. Wow. And he was impressed, and he went on his way. Later that night, the guy arrived in a town, and he came to a Jewish inn, And the innkeeper said to him, No, Ivan, what have you heard out there? What's going on? And Ivan said, You know, in the town over, I uh, was walking by the synagogue and I heard this horrific, this tremendous commotion. I asked one of your Jews, what is that? And they told me there was this Jew named Levi Yitzchak. And this is how he prays. And the man asked Levi Yitzchak, did they say where he comes from? I'm not sure. They asked back and forth, and finally he says, could it be from Badichev? He says, yes, yes, that's the way, that's the place. He comes from Badichev. In the inn, there was a Malamid, a teacher, who used to teach the innkeeper's children. The Malamid overheard this conversation, and he 
couldn't believe his ears. The holy Baditshiva was in the next town. He has to go see him. And immediately, he picked himself up and he started to run towards the next town. After about a half hour of walking, he freezes in his tracks and he says, what am I doing? There's a halacha, it's called Tchum Shabbos. You're only allowed to walk certain amount on Shabbos. How? There's no way I could get there, I, I can keep between our town and the next town within the Tchum. But something inside him said, I, I can't, I can't. I have to go see the Rebbe. And it pushed him further. And he went on, and again he stopped, and again he tardied, again he went on, again stopping, again tardying. And this is on and on, he could not understand what's driving him to go, but what's stopping him from going. And he arrives by Shachris. They were davening Shachris already. As they were about to daven Shachris, they were, they were davening Shachris, they were already holding by the Torah reading. And he's standing outside and he sees they're calling the Baditshiva to the Torah. And he gets up and he runs into the shul as the Baditshiva is on the bima, and the people are ready to pounce on him. And he comes running in and he screams, Rebbe, help me! I was Mechal Shabbos, I desecrated Shabbos! <coughs> the Baditshiva, with his holy spiritual knowledge, knew exactly what happened with this man and he told him that's real fun <laughs> you don't even begin to know about <laughs> and he told him don't worry for pikuach nefesh for saving a Jew you're allowed and you did just that by arriving now and telling everybody who I really am, you saved my life. And therefore, the people understood that this was really, truly the Holy Baditshiva. In the olden days, which tends to scare us a little bit and to worry us a little bit in the olden days no don't <laughs> it's 15 pounds you little yeah, leave it <coughs> so you pick it up and hit you in the head with it or something else. <laughs> I can still see that doing that to me um Chassidim of yesteryear of 100, 200 years ago would be today revered as the highest and the holy of holies. They would be revered as the Rebbes today. People would look at them and, and just and all they were were humble Chassidim. One such Chassid was a Yid called Rebhil Paracha. Wasn't the drink? 
You want to be a cop? Reb Hill Parache was a chassid of the Alter Rebbe and lived further longer than that. To the Rebbe's grandson, even. It's in Germany. The Pnei Yeshua. The Hill Parache was a shliach. And he would travel from town to town looking to inspire and to bring Jews closer to the fold. There was one town that he arrived in and there was a big dilemma. There were many Jewish innkeepers and they all were open on Shabbos. And so it came Thursday and he called a meeting. It was Wednesday he arrived. He called a meeting with all the innkeepers and he told them, Rabbi Sai, he explained to them the virtues of Shabbos and how there's no blessing working on Shabbos, etc. And he convinced them all that they should close on Shabbos. However, they said one stipulation they have. There is one very big inn run by a Jew as well, very wealthy. And if we close on Shabbos, he has to, because if he doesn't close, he'll wipe us out. And so Hill Parach sent a message to him, I'd like to speak to you. He refused to come. And this is again on Thursday, again Thursday night, Friday morning, and the man refused to show On Shabbos morning, <clears throat> everybody else closed and this man opened. And he began to suffer from tremendous, horrific gastro, gastro pains. His stomach was on fire. He was in such horrific pain that his wife couldn't take anymore. She heard the Holy Hill of Palachi was in town. She came running to say, please pray for my husband. And the people around the Hill Paracha heard how this woman was begging and pleading on the behalf of her husband and how the pain, excruciating pain he was going through. They w- waited for a blessing. At least say the word, Shabbos, but Hill Paracha said nothing. He stared at the woman and said nothing. The woman had no choice. She left empty-handed. The pains increased. Until Matzah Shabbos. On Matzah Shabbos, the woman returned and said the man is on his deathbed. And Hill Parachi then said, Shabbos in Melizoik, who were full of crave of love. They said, But it's not Shabbos anymore. So Hill said, No, no, no. Listen to my translation. Shabbos in Melizoik, 
when Shabbos has to, can stop crying that this man is desecrating the Holy Shabbos, he will have a Refua Shalema. And I want him to say this in front of three witnesses. So three chassidim immediately accompanied the woman back home. And they told him what the Rebbe said, what the Hill Parachah said, Chassan said. And immediately he acquiesced, he agreed. And days later he was healed. And this is all in the realm, the beauty of the Holy Shabbos. Returning a little bit back to our parshas, we said this week is Shabbos Chazak, and it is known, and you can hear it in the archives, where I probably repeat it each time, is Chazak. The beginning and the end of a Chumash have to be connected, as is the beginning and the end of Teirah. The beginning of Chumash Shemais begins with a story. A story of the birth of baby Moshe and the elongated arm of Batya, the queen, the, the princess, how her arm stretches to bring in baby Moshe. The Chumash ends with Moshe in a tremendous dilemma. No, I'm not comparing the dilemmas of Moshe being in the Nile and bringing now. It's not two different dilemmas of Moshe. Moshe has brought upon a dilemma. The Mishkan had to be constructed. To construct the Mishkan, the walls, they were beams. Each individual beam was very very weighty. The beams were all joined by a chut ha-sikra. Not a chut ha-sikra, sorry. By the... Chut um, ha-sikra is around the Mizbeach. No, brain is freezing. The b'riach Thank you. The b'riach ha was a pole that went through little rings on the outside of the beams and joined the beams together. According to most opinions, the B'riach HaTichin was one pole that put around the entire Mishkan. And you could not put it in from the back, which would then make logical sense that it should be bent and put in from the back, but rather the B'riach HaTichin was like a snake and it snaked its way through, and it went around. The problem Moshe had now, all these heavy beams, with their cups on the bottom and everything, were joined together. And they formed a wall. And he had to lift this wall. Who, Moshe? Yeah. That's what the Almighty told him now. The Hakim Mishkan. 
Now we've told this story as well, probably a hundred times, of the voyager the major plane that was constructed and it was having its first voyage, its first flight. The plane had seats for 3,000 people. The plane was pretty much like what you would expect today on a, on a good cruise. Those of you who ever went on a cruise with the swimming pools and the gymnasiums and everything else they have on a cruise ship, this plane had it plus. And the captain turns on the video and begins to give everyone their virtual tour of the plane. They should know what their journey, what they have options to do during this flight. And after the 25-minute description of all the amenities in the plane, the captain says, I only have one question, if anyone can help me out. We'd be more than happy to hear from him. How do we get this thing off the ground? With the tons and tons of equipment and people, they put together a beautiful cruise ship, but it had to fly and it wasn't getting off the ground. Moshe had this problem now. How do I lift this wall? It weighed tons. And he said, what should I do? And the Almighty says, put your hand to it, and it will get up. And Moshe puts his hand, and it stands up. So we see, that with complete faith, Moshe just was told to put his hand out, and it it worked. So too with Batya, with complete faith, put out her hand and it stretched to bring back baby Moshe. And the lesson to us is, Ein davar omed Where there's a will, there's a relative. And there's a, w- a way. But if a person wants to do something and puts themselves to it, they will and accomplish it. They will and can accomplish it. We look at the actual construction here of the temple and we see that Betzal ben Uri ben Chur was in charge. If we look in history chronologically we look at who this Betzal was Betzal had just turned Bar Mitzvah. He was a 13 year old boy and this 13 year old boy was put in charge of the construction, of the building. And not only that, but at the beginning we see of this Pasha Vayakil, Bitzal's opinion differs from Moshe's. Where the Abish said, because the Almighty commanded that the vessels be built and then the temple, and Bitzal said, it makes no sense. You have to build your house first and then put your furniture. The foundation. And therefore, Moshe saw and said the greatness of his Chachmah. He acknowledged 
the Chachma of Bitzal and did as he said. Why him not nobody else? David just said. Give it to somebody else, like Yoshua. He was, that's what David should have appointed. Nobody appointed him. Is the reason why? Because he had to walk Hashem on him. But he placed it in him. Bidikas Chabetz. Chabetz. Before we do Bidikas, let's say what Chabetz. Chabetz represents arrogance. The mission of Pesach is redemption. We want to be redeemed. We were redeemed on Pesach. We celebrate the redemption. We do everything to look like free people. We eat leaning over. We drink leaning over. Because we are free. Chometz is bloating. A loaf of bread that bloats, that grows, that rises represents arrogance. Matzah, in turn, represents bittel, nullification. And therefore, this is actually, I must profess, this is the first article I ever put in the newspaper, the difference of chametz and matzah, which was not brilliant to me, I mean, they didn't have Google in those days, it was 1976. The kunz was, it was in Spanish. Um, went into Nuevo Mundo Israelita. And from thereafter, I got stuck writing an article every week in Spanish in the paper. No, didn't get paid for it. So Chomets represents arrogance, and we look to nullify the arrogance, to free ourselves from this arrogance, so that we can become a free person. When a person is full of arrogance, they have tremendous expectations. Now the truth of the matter is, a person has to put, has to tax themselves a certain amount to reach a certain goal and to become and to put expectations <coughs> before ourselves, to, put, to be demanding on ourselves, to say I have to do and I have to accomplish. Because if we don't, and we sit on our laurels as we say, we get nowhere and do nothing. Therefore, the person has to have expectations. But there are different expectations of a person that says, Who am I? And the person that says, I am. The person that says, I am, has the expectations, but he doesn't tax himself. He taxes everyone around him. And expects everyone to fall into place and understand and realize who he is. Now this happens not only in a particular person singular, this could happen in a, fa- in a marriage, this could happen in a business, this could happen in a shul, it could happen everywhere. And therefore, it's just mind-boggling how the sages establish everything for this. When we finish Shmonesrei, Excuse me, when we finish Kaddish, 
the last sentence is Ose Shalom Bimramav, we Ose Shalom Aleinu, we Akol Yisrael Bimru Amen. The one who makes peace above. But before we recite this, both by Amidash, Manasseh, and by Kaddish, although we are standing in one place with our feet together during the Amidah and during the Kaddish, we step back three steps before we say this. How? Why? The entire prayer is said standing still, but to say the Pasuk, Ose Shalom Bim Ramav, we step back. It's a lesson to us each time we daven. And we should know, Ose Shalom, in order to make peace, you can't stand on your laurels. You can't stand where you're standing and stand firm. I am not moving. I want you to move in order to make peace. In order for there to be peace, everyone has to step back. Everyone takes a step away from the situation. Everyone takes a step back and says, I am willing to give, I am willing to um, give up this amount. And then there can be actual peace, Bimiromav. Now that doesn't stand true when it comes to peace in Israel. We may not give back anything. We don't step back and we don't give back. And Mr. Netanyahu, please stay strong. Do not give back an inch. Chometz, therefore, we need to nullify. We make a bracha al biur chometz. In essence, we don't need to put out ten pieces. The reason for putting out the ten pieces is because we need to have what to burn. The bracha is not al bedikas chametz. The bracha is al bir chametz. And the bracha, when we make it, we have to have in mind tomorrow we're going to burn the chametz. Therefore, we put out ten pieces, and we should note down where we put the pieces. And the pieces should be well wrapped so they don't leave crumbs all over the place. And we search the house. We search and we look each time we look somewhere else with the candle and with the feather, with the spoon. We are searching within ourselves as well. We do a soul search. And with that soul search we want to see what am I, where am I, who am I. And what do I have to accomplish, what do I have to do? Vedikas Chometz then, as we said last week, is put together the ten pieces and the spoon sticking out of the bag is put on the side. During Vedikas Chometz, after Vedikas Chometz actually, we say a call Chamira V'chamira, which nullifies everything that we have. We will repeat another call Chamira V'chamira after burning of the Chometz which says, I do not own anything of chametz in my property. Although I sold my chametz, which has to be done prior to Erev Pesach, um, I don't know if next week, probably, hopefully next week already, we will have a shtar available for Mechidus chametz. Although you sell your chametz, you nullify the chametz. Because according to the Torah, you may not see it, you may not find it. Erev Pesach, you are not allowed to work after Chatzais. 
The reason being because Erev Pesach after Chatzais was that after midday was the time that the Karim Pesach was brought. And since the Karim, Pesach, the Karim was being brought, it's Yomtev. It's Yomtev on a lesser level even than Chalamayid. And therefore things that can be done through a guy can be done through a guy, but actual Malachah you're not allowed to do. You may not take a haircut by a Jew after Chatzais and Erev Pesach. You'd have to take it from a guy. Um, and other malachas, cooking and things, anything that has to do for the yomtiv itself, technically you'd be allowed to do. But the yomtiv status now takes on. How would you work for a goy? You go for a goy to haircut? No, you work for a goy. Not work for a it's a problem. Um, from Meshchedesh Nisan, by the way, I wanted to say one more point before we sign off. From Meshchedesh Nisan, we stopped saying Tachnun. There's no Tachnun throughout the month of Nisan. And that is because on the first day until the twelfth day, we say the Nasi Hayyim. Each day was the Nasi that sacrificed the Karm for the dedication of the temple. Um, afterwards, there's a Hiratzin. If I come from the Shevet, we'll discuss next week, Blinadar. The Nasi is said though each day starting with after davening. There are those that have a custom, they take out the Sefer and read the Nasi from the Sefer um, Again, those, anyone that would like to join us, any women that would like to join, Sunday night in Yatshem, we have a group of women going to the Ayel, and we hope to meet there, but hopefully we'll be meeting in Yerushalayim in Akedish before that, on this very Shabbos with Ayakel and Pekudei, we will have an in-gathering. All Jews will be gathered at Pekudei. Each and every Jew individual will count. Each and every Jew individual will be a special blessing and receive a special blessing. And the blessing for Zara Chayim Kayoma and the blessing for Bona Chayim Zayna Ravicha, Kula Ravicha, Ravicha Mamish, to an extent that we understand and we see it in reality in Yerushalayim, Irak Shabbat Shalom to all.